Well, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yes, it's actually Happy New Church Year. We start a new lectionary for year B today. And if you think about it, it's not the January hoopla. It's not the toast that comes at midnight. It's not the balloons or the confetti. But it's still significant in the life of the church. Advent starts our year. Our new year starts in Advent, and our Advent season begins today. The season of anticipation, of waiting, of staying alert, and we don't want to miss a thing. Except our scripture this morning. I've always found it interesting for year B that our Advent season begins with an apocalyptic beginning, a scripture that talks about the times that will end, the end times. Now, I want to talk about the baby. I want to talk about Mary. I want to talk about the wise men. I want to talk about the gifts. I want to talk about the sparkle and the grandeur of the star that leads them to Bethlehem. I like the comfort of the manger, the sheep, the camel. I want the stable And I want my mother-of-pearl nativity scene displayed. And on this, the first Sunday of Advent, the season when the church waits with anticipated hope for the coming, the coming of the Messiah, the lectionary sets before us a vision of the end times. It's a vision of celestial bodies fading to black, Stars falling to the earth as the Son of Man rides in on a cloud together the faithful to himself. Today's reading from the Gospel of Mark is part of a passage scholars call the Little Apocalypse because it borrows elements from the Jewish Apocalypse text. Like other genre and writings and writings, This chapter describes a grand cosmic disturbance as the Lord comes in glory to right all wrong and restore creation. It details a dramatic revealing which, as it happens, is the root word apocalypse. For the Greek meaning is to uncover or to reveal. An apocalypse is an unveiling In this case, the unveiling of God. So in this little apocalypse of Mark, Jesus instructs his disciples to anticipate God's self-revelation. Keep awake, he tells them. Be vigilant, be alert. Sleep with one eye open. For the Messiah will come any day to usher in God's kingdom. Keep awake, Jesus tells them, for you do not know when the master of the house will come. In the evening, at midnight, at the cock crow, or at dawn. Keep awake, all of you. On one level, this is what the parable Jesus tells in this passage is all about. Like the master of the house who will return at any moment, the Messiah will come at any moment unpredicted and unexpected hour. 
And when that happens, the very cosmos will announce his arrival. The scriptures tell us the sun will darken, the moon will not give off its light, and the stars will fall from heaven. On one level, the vision Jesus sets before his disciples is precisely the apocalyptic events we'd expect of the last days when the Messiah finally returns and ushers in God's reign. But as often the case in this gospel, Jesus is not speaking on only one level. There's more than just a parable here. That much becomes clear as the story unfolds. You see, in the next chapter of Mark's gospel, Jesus and his disciples gather at sundown to celebrate the Passover. And then Jesus leads them to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he repeats a phrase he's uttered only two days before. He says, keep awake, Jesus tells them. Keep awake. But this time, the disciples need not wait to see if the Master will come in the evening, at midnight, at cock, crow, or dawn. For the hour has come for the Son of Man to be revealed. And the unveiling Jesus describes in the little apocalypse comes to pass. Not in some future disastrous event, but surprisingly, no shocking, shockingly, in the imminent reality of Jesus' suffering and death. Great story for Advent, right? At the hours tick by, Jesus moves closer to the cross. He gathers with his disciples in the evening, Judas betrays him at midnight. Peter denies him at the cock crow. And Pilate sentences him to death at dawn. And those who are awake, those who are watching for the evening, for the master, midnight or dawn, will see that the hour has come. God's apocalypse is at hand just not in the manner we expect. The moment when the sun fades to black and the sky grows dark is not when the Son of Man rides in on the clouds, but when the Son of Man cries out from the Roman cross. It is not a grand exhibit of power or glory, but a pitiful display of weakness and defeat, at least that how it looks at the moment but not in reality. God's apocalypse bears no resemblance to the vision outlined in today's reading. And yet it still is unveiling, quite literally in fact. The curtain hiding the holiest place is ripped from the top to the bottom. God's presence is revealed. According to Mark, this is the moment diligent disciples have watched and waited for. It has come not at the end of time, but on the cross, right there in some God-forsaken place on the outskirts of town, in a place no one would think to search for God. You see, God has come in the small broken figure of Jesus on the cross. God is at work rendering to pieces all that would separate us from God. This seems like an excellent message for Lent, for the season when we journey with Jesus towards Calvary, 
preparing ourselves with every step to comfort the cross. But what's it doing in Advent? Especially this Advent, when all we want to do is go to Bethlehem. We only wish to kneel before the manger, to cradle Jesus in our arms, and hold tightly to the hope, peace, joy, and love he brings. What does the apocalypse of God at the cross have to do with the advent of God's stable? Only this. That God has a habit of showing up when we're not on the lookout. When we're not waiting at the door, watching from dusk till dawn for the Master to come, God has a habit of surprising us and surprising us with good news. Just as God surprised an unwed teenager in a podunk town, who, for all we know, was hanging out laundry when an angel appeared to her. Just as God promised shepherds on the outskirts of Bethlehem who were watching their flocks, not watching the skies. God has a habit of coming in ways that the world would deem small and insignificant. In the dreams of a good man named Joseph, who wasn't expecting to be a father just yet, in the flutter of a child leaping in the woman's womb, announcing that the mother of God had come to visit in a tiny babe, wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a manger because there was no place for them at the inn. You see, God has a habit of showing up a habit of revealing God's self in unexpected places and unexpected times. This was true in days of old, on the cross in Calvary, in a manger in Bethlehem, and this is true even now in Lawrenceville First Christian Church. We only need to keep awake and watch for God's saving presence to take shape before our eyes. And so perhaps, dear friends, our task this week is to invite people to look for Jesus in need of those around them and to be awake for God's presence in response to those needs. For many of our folks, Advent has become a somewhat ambivalent season marked in equal measures by joyful anticipation and hectic, even pressured, preparation. Dinners, buying gifts, parties, cards, school holiday programs, and the list goes on. Each and all of it can be wonderful, don't get me wrong. And yet, and all of it can become somewhat overwhelming. And so perhaps we might invite folks to have a short list. Rather, a list that's small, takes up half a page of paper. A list of a few things that will occupy your Advent. And then to think about how in each of those events and activities, 
you might be attentive to the vulnerable, to the needs around them, and more honest and open about the, uh, your own needs that must receive the care of others. Perhaps in this way you will experience Jesus' coming and God's presence in our lives, even here, even now. In this way, discover, share, and actually participate in Jesus' advent among us all. Now, I take us back to the Advent wreath and the lighting that we did earlier this morning. So as we begin the Advent season, what are you hoping for? When you think about God coming to us in the flesh, what is your Advent hope? And what will you do about it? This Advent, my first season here with you, I'm hopeful. Even if I still expect snow, when the forecast calls for the usual Georgia weather at this season. I'm hopeful that Christ is continually born into our midst, continually reminding us that God is with us. I'm hopeful enough that I want to prepare my life and my heart again. Hopeful enough I want to ensure that I'm going in God's direction, not the wrong way. And hopefully, and hopeful enough, instead of staying awake passively, I will wait actively, working to carry out the good news right now, because my hope is built on the faith in God's promise, which never disappoints us. We're waiting. Yes, I don't deny that but with a thrill of hope in our hearts. Let's get to work while we wait. Amen.